Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 99, Laughs, Loops, and Rolls, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome, aviation friends, to the Stuck Mike Avcast. I am so excited to be here with my other aviation friends and co-hosts. Tonight we have with us uh, Larry Overstreet, Sean Moody, Rick Felty, and Victoria Zyko. Welcome, everybody, to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Normally we ask everybody where they are tonight, but uh, we want to roll right into our first topic. Let's do the pre-flight. But before we get going with these topics, we have a couple of announcements to make. You know what? This is the 99th episode. Can you believe it? We wow. made it this far. 99 episodes. Yes. Yes, we are getting old. And it's been <laughs> almost, what is it, over four years now that wow. the Stuck Mike Avcast has been around. And uh, it's just been just been one heck of a ride. I've really enjoyed this. And, and you know, we've listened to your feedback and, and the things that you like about the show and the, and the fact that we're all so passionate about it. And I, the one thing that everybody likes about the show is what I like. It's the diversity of the folks that are on this show uh, with everybody's background and their different perspectives on flying. It's not just a bunch of airline pilots sitting around talking or CFIs. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, I love hearing all the different uh, viewpoints. And uh, so that's why I appreciate all the other co-hosts today. Um, actually, you know, Eric Crump couldn't make it this evening. He's starting another semester, so he's been super duper busy. Uh, we had a lot of fun at their open house there at, uh, at the Polk State College. As far as announcements... Uh, so we're doing something a little bit uh, different. We decided to, to take on a new project. The man behind the curtain, Russ, uh, has been uh, very helpful in doing some blog posts. And what we're going to start doing is we usually do a lot of announcements in the beginning. Well, what's been happening is we always forget something. And that's just been bumming me out. And I really want to get all your information out there. If you've got an event, if you have some milestone, a shout-out or something, let us know. We'll try to you know read it here on the air. But, but we want you to actually have that somewhere as a part of the Stuck Mike Avcast. So this is what we're going to do. On the 1st and the 15th, of course, we come out with the, the Stuck Mike Avcast and, and, and the regular episodes. But between episodes, on, on the, the weeks between like the 8th and the 22nd, we're going to put a blog post out each time on the website. And we're going to do announcements, we're going to do shout-outs, and we're going to do achievements. Uh, different things that people have done. Uh, if you have an aviation event, send us an email. We will put it on there on the blog post. It might get to be really long, the blog post. We're going to send it out there. Uh, we've, you know, like we said, we, we just don't have time to, to make all those announcements. Of course, we'll try as hard as we can to make certain announcements. So that's what we're going to do there. So that's, a, that's the one big announcement. And also the other big announcement is episode 100 is up in the next episode. I am so excited to record that one. And uh, one of the things we're asking everybody to do is, is try to think of uh, a 100th milestone in aviation. It could be yours. It could be a friend's. It could be a relative. Uh, it could be somebody that you knew who flew in the war. 
Uh, it uh, like a hundredth airport you landed at, uh, the hundredth myth, excuse me, a hundredth mission that your 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 uh, uncle, uh, grandparent uh, flew in the war, etc. Or uh, your hundredth hundredth airport you landed at. We really want to hear from you. Uh, so just go to stuckmikeavcast.com and uh, hit the contact, and uh, or just go to contact at stuckmikeavcast.com. We'd really want to hear from you. Uh, is everybody here uh, trying to figure out their hundredth? I hope. Guys. Yes, I yes. have mine. Uh, do you really? Oh yeah. Oh, dude, I'm still working on mine. It's I'm just it's it's pain it's painful because I'm trying to do my hundredth airport that I landed at, and uh, I'm trying to get it perfect and in All order. Right, that's a pain. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you don't have a hundred fingers and toes. No, no, not yet. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, it's horrible. The reason I'm laughing, my my anyway, I know somebody who doesn't have a toe, so it's like I don't. Wait a minute, that'd only be nineteen. <laughs> but uh, my uh, what I'm looking at here is the uh, the emails that we've gotten so far, and there's some really cool things as far as 100th 100th time you've you've visited an airport. That's pretty cool. Some people that don't actually fly, so that'd be be awesome to hear about. But anyway, so that's it for our, our announcements. If uh, anybody else has any, uh, let us know, uh, and we'll we'll put them on there and read them for you. Uh, also, another thing too, uh, I've, I just realized I did this, and I have to apologize to Victoria for doing this. Is uh, Turbo the the flying dog? Uh, actually, uh, she can give us a quick update as to uh, what you're doing with the books and any book tours if you're having any. Um, we have a few. We're getting ready for um, book two to come out where Turbo actually learns to fly. That hopefully should be out by Oshkosh. Um, and then after Oshkosh, we have um, two Paws and Planes events. If you recall, I did a Paws and Planes event here in Frederick, Maryland a while back teaching kids about aviation and dog rescue. And the idea has caught on. So we'll be visiting uh, two different airports and schools over the coming months to uh, teach kids about airplanes and dog rescue that's pretty cool you know i have to apologize to not just victoria but the listeners you know each time i mention that you can just uh, click on turbo the flying dog on the right side of the screen uh we actually pulled it from the website by accident uh so if you just go to the right side of stuckmikeavcast.com and click on turbo the flying dog you'll get the information there uh that'll take you to uh, i think it'll take you to the amazon the book there and also tells a little bit uh, i think on that website you also have your website which is turbotheflyingdog.com. Is that correct? Yep, Victor? you got it. Okay, perfect. So sorry about that, guys. I got a couple emails saying, hey, Carl, where's the link? And that is where Aww, it is now. thank you, people. Yes, yes. <laughs> so your, your fans are, are looking there. Uh, quick, actually... Um, just quick to pay the bills, we also uh, want to tell you about some of our, our sponsors. Uh, the Day I Learned to Fly by Jeff Kennan. Actually, that was on the last episode. We interviewed Jeff, and he's a wonderful person, uh, and he's also helping out with sponsoring the, the uh, podcast here. So make sure you click on his book. It's The Day I Learned to Fly, another kid's book. We're going to have a whole bunch of kid's books on here. I think this is really cool. And uh, and then, of course, uh, the other sponsor is aerospacescholarships.com. Uh, you know what? There's money out there, and if you want to learn how to fly, get it another rating or a type rating in a 737 or an Airbus. It's aerospacescholarships.com. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, to the show here this evening, and we have a really a couple of really cool things. Very uh, uh, some something educational and some things that are that are just really passionate aviators out there that we're going to relate. Now entering cruise flight. First of all, we're going to talk a little bit about a video that. Uh, Victoria sent to us. T- Victoria, just tell us a, a slightly a little bit about that video, and uh, you know why people should watch it. This video. So let's start from the beginning. I have a friend who posts anything aviation related. He'll post it on my Facebook page. So I'll get like twelve things a week from him, 
And this one, I was like, this one immediately caught my eye. I did not save it for later. It was a little girl's first aerobatic flight. And she is four years old in the back of what I think looks like a decathlon, perhaps. And she gets to go doing loops and rolls. And this four-year-old is the bravest four-year-old I've ever seen. (laughs) And the funniest and the silliest and the most entertaining. It's just... Carl, I want you to describe it because you like you were giggling like a little boy. <laughs> it's the cutest video ever. <laughs> you know, I, I still can't stop laughing when I see that. That little girl uh, just laughing in the background as she's flying. What's funny is, she, they, like you said, it's in a decathlon. And the gentleman in front of the airplane, he's uh, taking off. I noticed him first, watching him. And then I go back to the child. And she's, you know, she's kind of bored during the takeoff, that type of thing. But if you notice, right after takeoff, she has this big beaming smile for a little bit and you know there's something coming up that's going to be really exciting and then so they get up to altitude and you can it's in french i don't know french very well but you can kind of get the gist of things he's basically telling her are you ready and she's like yeah i'm ready and they start and they they go i think he was with a wing over and as they go into this role she just starts laughing with this incredibly not just funny but one of those those childish laughs that that we all enjoy hearing and it's it truly is contagious and you know what i got butterflies in my stomach when I heard that that laugh and I couldn't stop laughing. My wife was was actually laughing at me laughing because I couldn't stop. Well, what's funny is I had to watch this this video so many times because you see the young girl and you you focus on her and you realize that she's in an airplane too. I, I totally, for the first time in a while, forgot about the airplane. I was just focused on this child and the thrill that she was getting from the flight that she was taking. And then I finally panned out my and looked towards the, the wings. And, and the video, the, the point of view is from the, the front of the cockpit backwards. So you can kind of see the father and you can see the child primarily. And you see them doing these loops and rolls. And every time they do something, she starts laughing more and more. And it, it's just, it keeps rolling and rolling. And it gets more and more exciting. And then it ends. And you're like, do it again. You know, and you can hear the little kid say that, you know. And then I found myself saying the th- same thing the little kid was saying, do it again, do it again. So I actually watched it again. And each time I watch it, I see something different. I see the, you can see the father is absolutely thrilled and, and having so much fun while he's flying this airplane and, and listening to his child. And you, you can see he's trying to be serious at certain times. And he just kind of laughs. And it's just, you know, there's an incredible bond between the, the father-daughter there. And this was her first aerobatic flight. But uh, you could see the thrill when she did the negative Gs and then the thrill and then positive Gs. And, the, and then her voice, when her voice changes tone. And, uh, and then she just starts this giggle, this guttural giggle. I just, could, I, I just can't get enough of this darn thing and, and watching this. I wish somebody had it on. We could play it for two seconds just to see her, the, hear the laughing in the background. She, um, just, just her alone uh, was a thrill. And also, it makes you want to get into aerobatics after watching this video if you haven't done aerobatics. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite aviation videos of all time. And uh, you don't really concentrate on, on the airplane. You concentrate on the person that's totally thrilled about flying. Wouldn't you say so, Vic? Yeah, um, there was actually, um, I scrolled through the comments, and there was one comment that really caught my eye. It was um, from a dad-to-be who was expecting his first little baby girl next month, and he said that everyone's been telling him that once he has a child, he's going to have to stop flying. And he said, because of this video, I know I won't. Awesome. That's terrific. That's awesome. That's great. (laughs) I have six kids, and I haven't stopped flying. That's that's cool. You're a good example. See, there you go. You're an awesome example there, Larry. Larry, did you get to watch the video, by the way? 
Yes, it's adorable. <laughs> adorable, inspirational. It's uh, it it it's gut wrenching. It's 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 you have this at certain points. I was I almost had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so much and had so much joy in in sharing the joy with that child. So I I really appreciate the person that actually shared this. Uh, I'm hoping to see more videos like this. Uh, this was this to me. It was it was like a, a a Rick Felty type of video, but but with with a little child in it. So maybe someday we'll have Rick doing something like this. Yeah, sure. On, Rick. If Rick was only three years old, <laughs> we set the bar high. Exactly, <laughs> we, we did, we did. But uh, but no, Rick, we, we we definitely need you to do that. We need you to get yeah. out there and get a decathlon, start doing some loops and rolls. And, <laughs> And, uh, There's and, a couple steps in front of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are. Sure, okay. Sure, no. <laughs> I, I have, okay. Well, I have the camera. Right. So, so I'm good. Step there. one. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll just make a, I'll make some mental notes on, about the other things I need to do. Yeah, and I'm sure you can find someone that could teach you. He knows lots of folks that have. Some oh cool yeah, that's plans. true. And yeah. uh, maybe it should be you in the back seat, but instead of giggling, you'll be puking possibly but possibly <laughs> we'll save that for steve tupper steve tupper yeah. yes <laughs> the puking episode I think, you know i think Goulian teaches up here not I mean, yes, he, he has a flight school up here yes he does I, I think there i know there's some people that have done you know that that kind of training there so oh yeah and he is he is terrific as a matter of fact i i just flew with a guy who uh who used to move his airplanes for him and uh, just a neat, because you know they they don't actually fly their airplanes to their events, right? And uh, just just neat listening to uh, the. Not only does this person on this video share his passion for aviation, I think everybody wants to, and, and Gullian's another person that just loves to to share his passion for aviation. So what we're gonna have to do is get Rick hooked up with Steve, and then go out there and do some flying. I, I think this is good. We're gonna we're gonna shoot that email out there and see if we'll, okay, how we can cool. do that. But uh, but awesome! I, I love that video. Thanks so much, uh, Victoria, for sharing that. We are going to put that on uh, the website. The link to that video. I'm sure it's going to go super viral. So anyway, uh, definitely uh, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later and tell you a little bit about that link. But uh, uh, if you ever want to share the joy of aviation and also to share the passion with somebody. And I love the comment, you know, that he was, somebody said they weren't going to keep flying, but now they're going to have kids and they're going to keep, keep flying no matter what. Uh, look at, look at Larry. I mean, Larry's got all these children. He's still flying. So thanks so much for sharing. Uh, the next one we're going to come up with as far as, uh, uh, another topic, we got a couple things. Number one, we, uh, we had a, you know, of course, somebody write in, uh, on a, tweet actually it was a tweet and said he absolutely loved listening to jeff kennan and uh you know his his passion for aviation uh did you did everybody here get to listen to that interview did i ask everybody did you all get to listen to that rick did you hear that uh, yeah last, well <laughs> to the degree i could when i was editing it but yeah. yes i did yeah he yeah he, he's a good guy he is a great guy just a terrific terrific person and uh this person tweeted out that you know he just loved the fact that he was passionate just very childlike in his aviation, and uh, he, he wanted to, he, he heard that passion in his voice, and it got him inspired to do a little more aviating, so that's what we really want to do. Cool. Um, you know, Jeff and I talk about once a week, just catch up, quick little sentence, and email here and there, and he had such a blast being on. <laughs> it really made his day. He felt like he got his, you know, 15 minutes of fame and was really excited <laughs> to share his story, so I look forward to, uh, you know, interviewing more people with that much spunk. Yes, definitely, and we uh, we definitely are going to start doing a lot more interviews uh, this year as uh, as much as we can and and plug them into the show. It's uh, you know it's tough for us all to get together for interviews sometimes, uh, but we're definitely going to start uh, trying to get more people on. As a matter of fact, as a great segue to the fact that 
episode 100 is coming up, and I forgot to tease on this one. There is going to be a very special guest on episode 100 of the Stuck Mike Gavcast. And I haven't shared this with any of our guests here, uh, with any of the, the co-hosts. I'm hoping all of them will be able to make that. Uh, it's somebody that we all know and we've all come to love in aviation. And it's somebody that, that truly is a passionate person and uh, has made a huge difference in my life, especially. And uh, in, he's going to join us on episode 100 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And uh, he said that he's going to bring his 100th uh, event or milestone, et cetera, in aviation with him when we do get to interview him. So I'm really looking forward to that. So that's my tease for the next episode. Anyway, moving on to the, to the next thing we have. It's from a listener. Um, actually, it's Billy Wheeler is the name of the person that wrote this in. And Billy Wheeler is actually somebody that I've known for over a decade. We, uh, we actually have flown together many, many years ago. He does the music, actually, for my other podcast, uh, Aviation Careers Podcast. But he's done, an, and I'm hoping everybody, all the, all the hosts here, have had a chance to look at this picture. We're going to actually post it out there on the stuckbygavcast.com slash 99. He took this picture and he said to us, he said, you know, has anybody ever seen anything like this? Now, to describe the picture, he was flying from Houston up to Dallas, and uh, there was a storm, and he's looking towards a storm, and you can see that the sun is behind it. But within the middle of the picture, right on the edge of the storm, you can see this bright light coming out from below the storm, and uh, or right, nah, probably right on the horizon. And it looks as if, you know, the skies are opening up. It's If you've ever seen a movie about, like, heaven or something like that, you, you kind of envision this type of a picture. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing that I, I'm sure he didn't want to see. He's like, uh-oh, I'm going towards the light, and uh, <laughs> this is it. But has anybody uh, ever, <laughs> ever seen anything like this, Sean? Have you seen something like this when you're in your flying or in, in your lifetime? I mean, I've seen some some beautiful you know, landscapes and, and, and images up, up high, especially when it comes to clouds and that kind of thing. But I've never seen anything quite like that where, you know, we were kind of talking before the episode that it almost looks like it's a glare coming up from something below the clouds, but there's no large body of water in that specific area. So I don't know. It's beautiful, but I don't know what it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Larry, what's, what's your opinion? What do you think it is? I think it's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> well said. It, it, yeah, it, it's a beautiful sunset or you know sunrise. Uh, we've all seen them. Um, when light shines through clouds, you know through the atmosphere, it's just gorgeous. And so many people have never seen this. That's true. And they need to. Yeah. And I'm glad the person shared it, but what we need to do is get them up in an airplane and, and share it with them. I know yeah. Rick has an eye for photography. and uh, Yeah, I'm looking at it. Um, I, You know, it's it's clearly some light. It's a, you know, it's obvious. It's a light atmospheric phenomenon of some kind, meaning that, you know, there could, I don't know where, you're describing where this was. Is that circled mark where? That's that, where he is. That's where he is. And he's looking towards. Looking toward Houston? Well, if he's in the left seat. Think about this. He's flying. He's, in, he's probably he looking, looking out off west. the right way. He's yeah, looking so, to the left. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so north. that could be light behind, you know, sun behind Sunset. it. And what time of day was this? And, and I'm assuming it's in the afternoon. Um, yeah. So I, it, so it's possible it's sun off of one of those lakes off to the west bouncing, you know, that reflection being then spread by, you know, by mist or by uh, atmosphere. Like it, it seems from below. But it's it looks almost like it's a bounce off something to me because it looks like it's below the source looks to be below the horizon line which wouldn't be the sun, I don't think. But I don't know. 
you or, know, I, or it's God. Or it's God. I, I, or it's, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing. To, I'm willing to roll the dice with God. <laughs> I like that. You know, I. I actually. It's funny because where my mind went with this is, uh, I thought it was um, a UFO at first. Yeah. I, I thought of uh, you know different. He's out towards the west. I know they do some work out there, yeah. and, and it kind of brings up you know things that we've seen at nighttime. Uh, or in flying that it's like you look at each other and say, did you just see that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Did you see that? Do you still have your medical? Yes. Let's not talk about this, okay? We want to keep our medical. Okay, let's keep our medical. So then, And then it's funny because every so often you'll hear that. I know, you know, flying at night uh, over different areas, uh, you'll see something in the, in the sky. And, uh, you know, you'll say to the person next to you, hey, did you see that? And somebody, usually somebody gets on the frequency and says, did anybody else see that? And then everybody chimes in, oh, yeah, we saw that, blah, blah, blah. And, and and sometimes air traffic controller will come up and say, hey, by the way, you know, they just had a launch at NASA, and that's what that was, and we didn't know about that. Uh, or there's a balloon, a night balloon going up. Uh, that happens very rarely, but that happens every so often. Um, but then, you know, you don't want to be the first person that says, uh, I want to report a UFO because you know that when you land, there's going to be a lot of paperwork and a lot of drug testing going on, and uh, you're probably <laughs> going to be flying for a few days. So, uh, so no, I'm not going to say this was a UFO, but but has I don't know. Have anybody anybody else here seen some crazy things when they were flying? Larry, you know, have you seen anything nuts like that or any kind of a UFO that you thought might have been something an unflying, you know, unmanned flying object or something? <laughs> No, I, you know, th there are a lot of beautiful things I've seen, and I just chalk it up to nature and, you know, God's uh, handiwork, um, but uh, uh, nothing I would attribute to UFOs, but uh, still awesome sights you can see when you're flying at sunset or sunrise. There's no better time to fly. Yes, you're right. And I don't want to make this an episode about UFOs, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, a lot of times we see things and we think that, you know, that's kind of interesting, um, but you can't explain it. Well, sometimes it's just a phenomenon that's that's part of nature and it's part of, of the atmosphere. Uh, you know, we get I get calls all the time from the local news station and, and that I do a little consulting with, and they ask me these questions. I was like, ah, no. Nah. Uh, it's like when the chemtrails and all that came about. You know, it's like, yeah, those are contrails. It's been happening for many, many, many years. Uh, so we, we, you know, you hear some some interesting things. But that, but other than that, there's some very beautiful things that you see in flight. The first time I ever saw a rainbow that was circular was flying, because that's about the only time you get to see a rainbow that is a circle. You know, from from your aircraft. So, anyway, Billy Wheeler, thanks for sending that photo, and we'll actually post that on the on the website at stuckmikeavcast.com. I uh, do appreciate you sending that in. I'd like to see some more of those photos, so if you have any, definitely send them along. I'd appreciate that. Um, getting on to, to the next topic, I, you know, we would like to switch to something uh, that's educational. And, you know, we've been trying to do this on every episode. As you know, uh, I've been involved with the FAA Safety Program. I'm not sure I've really talked about it a lot, but uh, I'm a lead representative here in the Tampa FISDO. And what that means is I do a meeting once a month or more than once a month, and uh, it's part of the WINGS program where you can get credit uh, for actually, f you know, your flight review if you want. And it's a lot of fun. Go to fasafety.gov. I'm not going to explain the whole program, but we have interesting topics. The topic of the month actually in May is, is a really neat topic. Uh, I'm going to point you towards a, a video also that I've done on YouTube. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I've been narrating a lot of their new videos that they've come out with with the FA Safety Program. I'm, I'm putting them out on YouTube. 
And uh, the topic of the month actually was aircraft performance. And, you know, when we're, we're flying airplanes, we realize that sometimes, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really understand the performance of our aircraft. We don't, uh, aren't, don't really get close to it because we figured it out once or twice and we said to ourselves, well, you know, I can take a 250-pound person with me with full fuel. And if it gets above that, then I'm going to go ahead and do a weight and balance. And uh, I, think, I think that sometimes is not good. I think we need to go a step further. And our topic of the month of aircraft performance talks about that, not just weight and balance, but also talks about, uh, you know, the performance issues and loss of control. Because, you know, there's been so many accidents uh, and incidents where we've lost control on landing and also takeoff. Normally on landing, uh, they don't, they're not fatal, but they, they cause a lot of damage. Uh, on takeoff, it's a little bit different. Uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll find that uh, if we have a, you know, a stall or something on takeoff we're, or, or we've hit something on takeoff, we're... You know, we're going a lot faster, and, and there's going to be a little more damage to the plane and possibly ourselves. Uh, but one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm hoping the, the other hosts here don't do this, is a lot of people kind of they operate on the, the edges of the weight and balance envelope. And, uh, and, and they sometimes say, oh, it should be fine. Uh, I'm not really worried about it. Your, your instructor might, might say something like, hey, you know, I've, you know I've, I've overloaded this thing, you know, 10 per- The FAA says we can overload these things 10%, and we can, we can actually move them, the, move the aircraft. Well, that's a ferry permit, and, but you're not ferrying the aircraft, that type of thing. Uh, but, but really, when we're looking at aircraft performance, a couple things we just ask ourselves all the time, you know, how much can we haul? How far can I go? And how long is it going to take me? And those things are really important. And we put together all this this whole weight and balance. You know, we obviously want to take the pilot and passengers. Then we want to take cargo, and then we take fuel. So in that order, we figure this out. And uh, and then we look at our route of flight and runways and alternates. And uh, if we don't have enough gas, we need to stop along the way. But there's other, you know, these these are basic things, and I'm I'm hoping that that you do do your weight and balance every time you go out, or if you have a general knowledge of your airplane, if it's beyond those certain parameters, you do dig deeper into your weight and balance. Uh, but one thing that, that, that we talked about in the seminar uh, with the aircraft performance is the fact that the one, the one part of this whole equation, you know, we've had test pilots that have gone through all the weight and balance and have tested it on runways over and over again, is you, the pilot is, you know, what's your performance like? And I think it's really important, I do this with my students, to go out there and see how you perform in the aircraft. And, uh, and just check out the video, but there's the, this is the most important thing about this video, is the fact that you should go up with an instructor and see how well you do on short field takeoffs, short field landings, but do them on, on, at different times of the day and different density altitudes and figure out, you know, a baseline for your takeoffs and landings and how long it's going to take you to take off. And if you don't make it to a certain point on the runway or a certain point on your takeoff roll, you stop and you don't go. And that's the part I really want to dig into with, with some of the other folks here on the, on the show is, you know, when you're taking off, um, you, you probably have in your mind a set distance uh, down the runway I'm hoping uh, that bef- if you don't take off by that distance, you're going to abort that takeoff. You know, I've done it. Uh, but if you're three-quarters of the way down a runway, you're usually not going to go. So so I'm going to ask the, the other folks here, like like Larry, as far as I know you have a, a bunch of experience in a lot of different tail draggers. Is, do, you, do you have any kind of baseline that, that you look at as far as uh, the feel for the airplane and, and how far you're going down the runway? And if you don't take off, you're going to stop? Um. Yes, um, 
the cub takes off in such a short amount of space that, you know, if anything's wrong, you're going to know it right away. Uh, if the engine's not de- developing power or whatever, and uh, it's just foolish to take off if you can't feel the normal thrust that you feel uh, in, a, in a good takeoff. Um, so, yes. So when you're when you've been out there flying this machine, I know you've uh, got experience with an instructor. Did you did you kind of go up a lot and try to do takeoffs and landings, short field takeoffs and landings, over and over again to see what you can do in the airplane? Not so much what what the book says, but what you can do. Yeah, short field, um, soft field. Uh, I, I had a, an experience where I was landing and uh, I lost a tire. Really. You know? Yeah, and so it pulled really hard to the right all of a sudden. Um, you know, all those kind of things are uh, unusual, um, and yet they shouldn't be. So uh, go out and practice them. Get an instructor, try out short field, try out soft field, um, try out uh, failed engine, you know, and uh, see what you can do. I think that's a great point. And uh, in, in getting back to this, what they're... Uh, they're trying to stress is is figure out what your limits are. Try to write them down on a piece of paper and and actually uh, go with an instructor and and say, hey, you know, how am I doing? And uh, I think that's really really important. Uh, I know, uh, uh, Rick, you've you've done some training and you haven't flown in a little while. Yeah. Uh, do you remember uh, your instructor going over? You know, hey, if you haven't taken off by this point or certain things haven't happened, you're not going. Yeah, I don't remember there being a, a hard and fast. I mean, what I remember doing over time as the year. Uh, you know, went around, you know, from cold weather to hot weather is getting a sense for how quickly I'd be up under normal conditions for that kind of weather situation, you know, so that, um, you know, I just got used to the way the, the whatever planet was getting airborne much quicker in the, you know, in the winter, in the colder months than, than in the summer. And, and, um, so I, you know, so if I if I hadn't flown regularly, I might get nervous in the summer if I was only flying in the in the colder weather. But 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 as it progressed, it would get longer. You know, the run the rollout would be longer and longer, and we'd review that. You know, and we'd review what what the expected would be. Um, and yeah, I never got I never had a point where I thought, okay, something's wrong here. But I think I would have. I just I don't remember talking about you know, uh, where in the runway that would be. But, right. but again, it never, it never got to a point even close to, to wondering, you know, I think, and I think it would have, because I think I did get a pretty good education in some of that, uh, look and feel stuff, which is sort of what's normal, what's not, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've talked about this before, probably I, um, you know, had a couple of situations early in training where I had, you know, where I, where, where I, I, I bounced enough to bounce again and begin a, <laughs> begin a bad cycle and knew, en- and knew enough to go around, you know, knew enough to break that. I mean, I know, th- I know that you can correct that, but, but as a student, it, it's not easy yeah. to do. And so it was the safer move is power up and, you know, try it again and, and get, your, get your speed under control. But what I, I guess what I, I learned from what I'm saying and how that relates is that I had a pretty good sense for what to do with the plane and would – probably have uh, pretty pretty certainly have, have uh, aborted you know uh, yeah. if it ever got too long but it never you know but like i said the, 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 i did i did enjoy the difference uh, as the as the weather changed in terms of the planes i flew right right and sean how about you uh, and did you go over specific distances and and have that that point of no return or the that stop point i should say 
Not really. Um, I kind of like Rick said, I, I don't recall any kind of specific, um, you know, distance down the runway. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, I know I've seen, I don't have a multi, but I've, I've seen some multi training materials. And I remember seeing some, some graphics where the, the, st- uh, stop distance or yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of the exact term, but accelerate, uh, stop, accelerate, yeah. stop. That's what it was. Yeah. Where I guess if you lose an engine at what point you can continue on. Right. Right. Um, or and that always kind of fascinated yeah. me, but I, I didn't. I never did kind of get to that level of, of thing. But it, you know, you guys do bring up a good point. It is uh, certainly a good thing to to know. You know, okay, at, at which point am I am I committed here, or, or when do I still have time to stop? Um, I was. I've always been a very conservative pilot. You know, if I get the the slightest inkling that anything just isn't yeah. right at any point during the takeoff roll, as long as I've got room to abort, I'll abort it. Um, even if you know maybe I could safely continue on, if if I can safely you know pull it off and and take it back to the hangar and have somebody figure out what's wrong, I'll gladly do that. Then uh, continue on. <laughs> And you know the, the the reason I asked you this, Sean and, and Larry and Rick, is and I, you've all said somewhat similar things. You really don't have a specific point, but but Sean brought up, brought up this really good point: is that when you're flying a twin, you normally are are actually looking at those those performance parameters a little bit closer because you have this thing called an accelerate stop distance. You can accelerate, lose an engine, and actually stop before going off the end of the runway. Then you have what's called an accelerate go distance, where you can go and get all above a, an obstacle. Uh, there's all sorts of things they call balance field lengths that kind of thing where you know that you know as a as a pilot you can you can take off and you can climb above your obstacles but here's the point and i and this is what i'm trying to the point i'm trying to make is if you listen to all of us and i'm guilty of this too when i was uh training i had no idea how far i would get down the runway and and how long it would take me in my takeoff roll to to take off uh, and and to rotate, so this this seminar, and I hope you take a look at it. It comes up with this really simple rule, as far as takeoff calculations. And what it'll do is, it'll ask you, you know, what what is your takeoff distance, and then and then you need to get to a certain speed uh, before you hit that halfway point on that distance. So, for instance, if you had a thousand foot that you calculated would take you to take off on that day with your airplane. At the 50% point, you need to be at least 70% of your rotation speed. Okay, that's an example they use. When, if there's an obstruction uh, at, the, at that runway, at the end of the runway, then at 30% of your takeoff distance. You know, at 300 feet, you need to be at 70% of your takeoff speed. We don't really do that. None of us here in this whole conversation, if you've heard, none of us have really done that. We do it primarily by feel, and we know that we can we can get in and out of certain airfields. Well, what happens when you go out to the runway and all of a sudden there's, you know, it's shortened by a 1,000 feet? Uh, you start getting lulled into this, hey, you know, I've taken off this runway so many times, now it's shortened by a 1,000 feet. Uh, you know, I'll just go ahead and take off. Well, you, you probably shouldn't do that. You should always have in your mind uh, how far down the runway you can go. And, and, and my point is this. Try to go out there with an instructor and do this little calculation. Of course, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but it's a lot of fun to do. You can do it during a proficiency check. Uh, you can do it during your flight review. It's a, it's, it's a blast to figure out what you can do with that airplane, and you'll feel a lot more comfortable in that airplane because – you know what? When I first started training, and if you hear of all of us talk, it's like, well, how far down the runway can you go? Well, gosh, I don't know. Uh, I just know that I can go this far, etc. If I got a 12,000-foot runway, I'm going to say, gee, I, I can take off on that. I'm not going to really worry about that. But when it, beco- it comes to like uh, 2,300 feet, and you're flying a twin out of that, air, out of that field, you, you better know what your options are. 
and so that's the point I'm trying to make, and, and I really, I'd encourage you to go check those out. Um, so if, if anybody has ever looked at those calculations, and remember also that it's a test pilot set do it, that's doing it, so again, we need to be the ones that are taking you know control of our safety, and, and to do that, we need to go out there and practice, and we need to practice with certain numbers and write them down. Uh, there's a really neat uh, website out there. You know where they do this a lot is in Alaska. Uh, if you ever go uh, go out to the uh, fa.gov uh, website, it says go uh, fly Alaska. Uh, or actually, you know what? I set up a link. It's uh, expertaviator.com slash fly Alaska. And you can see, and we'll have links on the, on the episode, you can see where they've done this and they've put these calculations together. You know why they do that? Because of the fact that it's you're flying out of unimproved strips, you're flying in the wild. They have some really, really cool things out there. You know, there's so many rules out in Alaska that are so different, and so many different types of things that you need to do out there that we can learn from those. Uh, and and it's commonplace for them to do this, uh, not so much for us. Uh, so yeah, definitely go check that out. I appreciate it. Uh, that's I. That's all I wanted to say on that one. I don't know if anybody else wanted to add to that. Um, but uh, moving on to our next topic, our next topic, which actually is interesting. Um, I know uh, Rick has doesn't have his uh, instrument yet, and uh, Sean, you've uh, actually been able to get your IPC. Is that correct? Your proficiency? I haven't got uh, that back yet. No, yeah. I'm still uh, still VFR only. VFR, um, yeah. And you're. I, I do. I did have a, an instrument rating at yes. one point. <laughs> yes, at one yep. point. So, so this is going to help out uh, Sean and Larry. Larry, where are you with your instrument? I am current. You are current. Okay, good. Yeah. So, Larry, I, I don't know if I want to put you on the spot on this one. So, uh, do you want to explain why you're current to us? What you need to do to be current as a pilot? If not, I can tell you. I'd love to have you tell me, but um, I believe it is six uh, instrument approaches and one hold in the last six months, right. six calendar months. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, there's one other thing that we add to that too, and the. Uh, you know, in our, our and we're talking proficiency here now, so that's how I'm kind of leading into this. And uh, just if you want to stay instrument proficient, uh, remember that if you you always look back six months in your logbook, uh, in your aircraft, of course. Uh, if it's a helicopter, it's a different story. Uh, you have to do those in the helicopter. Uh, do it in actual or simulated weather, okay? And what what Larry just said is right. Six approaches, right? And then you said holding procedures uh, and holding. They actually kind of put another thing in there holding procedures and tasks is what you're supposed to say but holding tasks are meaning your timing on the on the turns etc there's another part of that that we kind of forget about uh it's the third part it's called intercepting and tracking courses and we all kind of yeah you know we look at that and say that's kind of silly isn't it you know the intercepting and, and tracking of courses because isn't that what we do every day is intercept and, and track courses. Uh, but those are the three things that you need to do to stay current. So so if you're not current, Larry, is you know, if you went beyond those six months, you could still get your currency, right? And it's you an bet. easy it's an easy way to do that. How do you do that, Larry? Uh, you can go up with uh, a safety pilot or a double I or a CFI and uh, execute those maneuvers right right so you so so now you've gone you've gone like seven months and you haven't flown ifr at all mm -hmm. and uh and now you've gotten current because you've done that right 
So now you're current again because you went out and you did your six, uh, you know, different approaches. And you did your holding procedures. And then you did your intercepting and tracking of courses, of course. And then, and then you're current. But now we take Sean Moody. And Sean has been how long by the way how long has it been sean since you've done an approach? oh man it's been more than five 20. years oh okay we're definitely more oh. than 12 months <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah so so sean is definitely beyond the 12 months okay so so there's something special you need to do if you've gone beyond that so they give you this they they, they like to call this grace period so if you haven't in the past six months done the six approaches holding intercepting and tracking of courses uh you can't fly fr but you can get current by doing those, okay? But now you're beyond 12 months, and you can't do that anymore. You have to do something else, and it's called an instrument proficiency check. And it's something that has really morphed over the years, this instrument proficiency check. This allows you to become current again, and you can do an instrument proficiency check anytime you want. Uh, you can do one every week, and there are some people that do one every month. Uh, depending on their their operation, uh, but it's normally it's done you know within six months uh, or once a year you do this IPC. Uh, that's what they call IPC. It's under sixty one fifty seven. It's uh, part C and D on that. The paragraph C and D on that. Uh, you have to know what your your responsibility is as a student, but also for those instructors what what your responsibility is. This this instrument proficiency check. I think I think a lot of people are afraid of. Because it's it's to be conducted. It's not just these six approaches. It's to be conducted as if it was your practical test. Okay, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is the currency requirements and guidance for the flight review and the instrument pr- proficiency check are actually within the PTS, the practical test standards. You can find them there, and it'll go through a whole laundry list. But you're basically going over. Uh, the instructor has to figure out that you have the knowledge and you have the skill to fly IMC. Uh, it's it's not just doing those approaches. So you're going to have to prepare for somewhat of a check ride. But the cool thing about the, this this type of training, and I know some people are getting nervous now saying, oh, my God, Sean's sitting there saying, oh, I'm going to have to do this instrument proficiency check. What if I fail the IPC? Well, you're not going to fail it. You're just going to keep training until you complete it. That's the neat thing about the IPC. There's no incompletes. There's no failures. Uh, but remember that now because you're doing the IPC, you are being held to that standard of the PTS. So if I'm an instructor and you go more than three-quarter scale deviation on an ILS, oh, you know what? I can't sign you off on the IPC, can I? So now I have to go forward and, and have you do another one and do another approach, etc. There's two parts of this equation. There's the instructor. There's also the, the pilot themselves. You need, to, you need to have knowledge in every piece of equipment in that airplane, too, just like on your, on your check ride. So, so you need to get knowledge on whatever GPS you have, whatever autopilot you have. Oh, and by the way, you do have to do a non-procedure approach uh, without the autopilot on. So you have to, to make sure you've done all that. Has, has anybody here ever done an IPC, an actual IPC with an instructor? Have you I done have. One? You have? Yeah. Uh, Sean, have you done one? I have not. No, I, uh, I was flying pretty regularly shortly after I got my instrument. And um, so I was, I was, you know pretty with it then so uh, a lot of people are gonna you know right now they're saying you know oh my gosh this sounds like a, a lot of a lot of work and we and it is a little bit more work this ipc that larry had done tell us uh did they go over did you have an oral portion and then a flight portion and and how did you accomplish these tasks 
Yeah, so there was an oral portion, and uh, we spent a couple of hours uh, sitting down because it had been a long time since I had been, I, I wasn't just not out of instrument proficiency for a few weeks or months. Uh, it was 15 years. Oh, wow. So uh, we spent a long time going through the uh, you know changes that had happened in the airspace system and everything. Um, and then uh, we took our time going through what we were going to do the next day in the air. And we did... Uh, you know, partial panel and um, several approaches. Um, it was a really good workout, but it was uh, enough to make me feel like I could really do this. And then the next day, I did um, a localizer back course approach in actual because I had to head home from Arkansas to Wisconsin. And uh, it was a really good experience. Um, do you do you like don't lost? be afraid of it no no good i'm glad you said that you did system failures everything like that i mean this is like this was like a check ride in other words but it was over oh, yeah. a, a period of time what did you did you feel during this process that it was that it was a check ride that you were, you might fail this or or did you feel it was more like an instructional event oh totally instructional event right okay. um because one of the things I think people get nervous about is the fact that, you know, it's like a flight review. You can't fail a flight review. You just won't be signed off. Same thing with the IPC. Um, yeah. There is very rare instances where they would, where they would recommend you, you not fly anymore. Uh, it, it could happen, but it's, it, it's you know, it, it's very, very, very rare that uh, somebody would go up and say, hey, you're not going to fly anymore. You can do this IPC with the FAA. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Actually, uh, get with an instructor; it's a lot more relaxed, um, yeah. and and you learn something. That's for sure from this whole process. After that IPC, Larry, did you did you feel like you really were ready to fly IFR? Yeah, and and that day I did fly IFR um, <laughs> for that several hours. Um, it, it was a really great experience. I learned a lot. The instructor taught me a lot. Um, I flew along with another IFR-rated current pilot, um, which I would recommend to anybody if you've been out of the game for a while. Um, fly along with someone else who's current. Why not? Yeah, why not is right. Well, let me ask you this, though. Say, say you find an instructor, and I've seen this happen a lot. Uh, is you, you find some older instructor, somebody who no longer has their medical. Um, I... I think it's fine to go out and shoot approaches with that person. There's only one caveat with that. You're probably not going to be, no, I know you're not going to be able to log any of those approaches because there's something that you can't do while you're doing those approaches. You can't go under the hood. The person flying with you can teach you all they want, but they somebody has to be piloting command and have to be looking out the window, and that person in the right seat, if they don't have they're 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 not current if they're a private pilot or excuse me they don't have their medical and they're a private pilot or an instructor they have 25,000 hours you're not going to log those approaches but but I will say this I've worked with somebody uh who actually was a fighter pilot in in World War II and I worked with his daughter and on the instrument rating but he did all the training but he just couldn't put her under the hood and he okay. 
Is, do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. So don't you know if you get some some old pilot and or experienced pilot that doesn't have their medical or just anybody has a lot of experience, I think it's awesome just to take go up with them and and go through these things procedurally. Uh, same thing in a simulator, and uh, and that's you know another point. Have you ever done any of these reviews in a simulator or an uh, ATD advanced training device? No, no. Um, those are those are really good devices, but you have to be careful. Uh, if you think or don't know that the the device is actually uh, been approved by the FA and the local FISDO, it's really important to go check that out. You can actually uh, give the the FISDO a call and find out if that that simulator et cetera was is uh, appropriate for that. But uh, so so Rick, I know you're looking at the possibility of finishing up the instrument rating, and and Sean is looking at at uh, getting current again. Uh, don't be afraid of this IPC. It, yeah. It's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a learning experience. Uh, I will say one thing is that if you're going to go to an instructor and you're going to do an IPC in the future after you have your instrument rating, expect some, a lot of instructing. Uh, yeah. you know, if you're going to say, I want to get current, that's a whole different ballgame than asking somebody to sign you off for an IPC. Because okay. reality is you're not, you're not actually signing something off to be current. You're just logging the approaches to keep yourself current, just like your takeoffs and landings. So, so this was kind of a quick overview of the instrument proficiency check, and uh, this is the the fiscal year 2015, the first quarter actually. Um, there, the FAA, the safety program, of course, which I'm involved with. This is what they've been focusing on is this IPC because they're finding that. Uh, certain instructors may not know exactly what they're doing as far as the IPC or, or maybe just brushing over it. Just remember you have to do this in this manner. It's more like a, it's more uh, along the lines of, of a PTS-driven event than just becoming current. I think that's really important. I'll have a link, by the way. Uh, that was going to be an announcement, but it's going to be kind of hard to get to because it's, uh, it's actually July 2nd, which is the day after this, this comes out. Um, conducting a safety seminar called Conducting the Instrument Proficiency Check. And uh, the overview that we just did gets into a lot more detail and talks talks a lot more about what you can do, uh, the, the flight training devices that you can you can actually work in. So so anyway, hopefully that, that's something that's that's been helpful to, to, to you, Sean, and to, to Larry and, and, and Rick and, and everybody else that's listening here. Uh, you that's, bet. That's, that's interested in doing this. I mean, I, I think it, it's a blast. I tell you what, I, I have a buddy of mine, and we do IPCs because we're total airplane geeks, and uh, we just we just do them for the fun of it. I know that sounds weird, but we, <laughs> you know, we, we sit there, we challenge each other, and, and it costs a little bit of money because we're, we're, we're tough on each other. Uh, sometimes we don't complete it, you know, and uh, we, we, we make, we do, uh, you're not going to get 100%. As a matter of fact, sometimes we do bets as to who's going to screw up 10 times first. Uh, oh, you're a little bit off there. You're a little off there. So, so make it a fun event, and and do it with an instructor who's really experienced. Well, gosh, I, uh, hopefully that was a good teaching event for for you that's listening. If you have any uh, questions about the IPC, or if you want to find, I'm hopefully going to get that video out there on YouTube. I'm not sure if I can do that or not. Uh, if not, uh, I'll try to get the the presentation out there about the IPC. I have to actually run it through the FA and ask them if I'm I'm going to be allowed to do that. So, so I will do that. We, you know, we're actually running out of time here. Uh, uh, we've been been talking about these very, you know, every time we talk, it seems like I'd like to go another hour uh, with and, and all these different topics. I love talking to to the folks and uh, and you listeners too, and listen and uh, listening to the emails and voicemails. And by the way, we still have a few that have have backed up on us, so we'll do another episode of those. Our picks of the week. 
But we need to we need to move on to the next thing. And the next thing that we do is the uh, what do we have? Oh, the picks of the week. Picks of the week. So we all have our picks of the week. I'm going to let uh, Rick Felty. I'm going to let Rick Felty go first yeah. with his pick of the week. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend a book that I have not read. <laughs> awesome. But, <laughs> but I will tell you that I. I know I'm going to love it because it's been written by an author who, who I've read a, many of his books and I love them. And I'm just I'm going to talk. It's very basic, but it's the uh, the new David McCullough uh, McCullough book, uh, The Wright Brothers, and it's about the Wright Brothers. And um, I've read you know many of his historical you know biographies, and they He's are great. All, yeah, they're just so wonderful. Either listen to them, read them. It doesn't matter. He's a wonderful writer. He gets to the heart of it. He puts you right there and with some stuff about some of these guys, mostly men, but men and women in history who I, you know, we, they stick with me. Little moments about, oh, yeah, that's right. That had to be that way. And there's a there's always some stuff in there that you never really thought about before. Anyway, uh, the reviews of this have been good. Um, one, the New York Times reviewer said, you know, not as complete at the back end of the Wright Brothers story regarding um, – rights and uh, you know legal stuff in, near the end of their lives but it isn't really about that it's about doing the thing they did and uh and it sounds great and i saw it on the sh on the stands while i was uh in the bookstores in the airports while i was making a trip a couple months ago and uh you know raised my hand and said okay birthday present please so <laughs> i'll be reading i'll be reading that in the next this will be one of my summer books so anyway um the wright brothers david mccullough so that's, that's great that's great, Rick. I just picked that up on Kindle, and I will be reading it, too. Yeah. Okay, we'll have to talk about it. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, so that's on Kindle. So obviously, that was the other question I had. So you can get Both in all different... Hardback. Yes. Okay. All right. It's one of those books. You know, and it's there's a lot of big authors. He's a big author, and it's everywhere. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Awesome. Thanks for that. And I, I think he's done some wonderful things in the past, so I'm, I'm so excited about that book. So I, thanks for bringing that up, uh, uh, Rick. Next pick of the week is uh, actually it's Victoria's. Victoria had to drop off here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and read her pick of the week. And it has to do with that video we talked about, uh, about this, this young lady uh, flying in the back of the airplane uh, and the father doing loops and rolls and, and uh, all sorts of aerobatics. It's a YouTube video. And we'll have a link to that YouTube video on the episode here. It's actually gone pretty viral. Uh, I, again, will, after this, after we're done here, I'm going to go listen to it once again. I just love listening to her laugh. So that's going to be out there on YouTube. A link to it will be at, uh, if you, excuse me, on the Stuck Mike Avcast uh, episode number 99. Uh, next pick of the week is going to be Larry, Larry Overstreet. What is your pick of the week? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, pilotpartner.net. Um, this is pilot logbook software specifically uh, engineered around a GA type pilot. So if you fly for the airlines, Carl, um, this may not be for you. But if you fly Cubs and you know diamonds and archers and things like I do, uh, this may be just perfect. I just signed up, so I don't have a lot of experience with it. But it it's um, reasonably priced, and they tell me that there's going to be a special for uh, Stuck Mike Avcast listeners. So stay tuned. Um, you can follow them on Pilot Partner uh, at Twitter. Um, there's a 90 day free trial. Um, and, uh, I have another logbook software pra uh, package that I use now that I'm not really happy with because it doesn't sync well across my various devices. Um, the pilot partner is cloud-based, so there's no syncing. I I'm looking forward to trying it. So stay tuned. I'll give you more information on a future episode. 
Awesome. I'd like to hear more about that because uh, I have a couple different logbooks, one for my GA flying and one for gliders and, and one for work. So, uh, you know, I might start using this one. This is pretty cool stuff. I'm just looking at the website now. So thanks, Larry. And that's uh, pilotpartner.net. Pilotpartner.net is actually the, the website for that one. Uh, terrific. I will definitely go and check that one out. Um, here's a, the uh, next pick of the week. Actually, I'll do my pick of the week here now that we're talking about applications. Uh, Avplan EFB. Uh, I think I spoke about how I got a new Apple Watch. I've been telling everybody about my Apple Watch. I was like, this is the coolest thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I think I'm going to lose some weight because of it, because there's these little, this little exercise thing, activity app, and, and I'm watching the circles, and I'm trying to beat this thing. And, uh, and I'm doing a fairly good job of it now that I understand how it works. Uh, I didn't realize you have to get your your heart rate up uh, to be able to to count as an exercise. I can't. I, I don't know why just walking to the fridge and getting a beer doesn't count, but that's uh, that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> this this act, <laughs> this application that I was looking at is Avplan EFB. Uh, some wonderful people there and uh, down under in Australia have come up with this this planning software that I think is really cool. Well, what I decided to do today is go play with it on my Apple Watch and. Uh, you know, I think I think Rick said this during, you know, the, when he reviewed it and Sean did that. It seems like you 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 shouldn't expect much be, uh, this out of this small little device, but there's some really cool things that it can do. Uh, one of the things that I found that was really awesome for me was that I could look at the weather and the weather. I think for the different METARs and also TAFs. I mm-hmm. can I can click on it and it pulls it up. I'm I'm sure Avplan EFB is not the only one that does this. Uh, it does have the flight planning software on there. I've played with that a little bit, but the fact that I can pull up the METAR very quickly by just looking at it, saying, "Oh, it, you know, it, it's wow, it's 28 degrees. It, it's still pretty warm here." And I'm looking at it right now, saying, like, "Oh my gosh!" Uh, it gives me you know the rain, et cetera, and it gives me a whole circle of airports. If I'm going to go to the app. Uh, I can get reminders on the app as far as, uh, you know, my timers and things like that, when to check fuel. I think in general, the Apple Watch is great for that type of thing. I think in, mm-hmm. in a gen- general type of way, uh, it's helped me a lot with certain other things in aviation uh, and tied into aviation. You, you see people doing, I even saw on an aviation website, one of the things that they had to review, of course, was the airline apps. The airline apps are awesome. I have a flight tomorrow. I put in uh, my flight, I checked in for it, and it's telling me how many hours till I have to be at the airport and what the gate is and uh, the estimated time of arrival and all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome information. But the same thing for general aviation you can have is on there. Uh, the only thing that I can say I really want to see, I want to see uh, some radar. Uh, I haven't found a good radar app, so if anybody knows well, one, uh, write in. Yes. You know. Yes, yeah, so... Um you, I may not have written to you about this, but I, I think I Facebooked it, Uh-oh. which is, hang on, uh, I'm going to tell it to you pretty quickly here. I think. Uh, you're going to tell us a, a radar app that actually well, works well with the Apple Watch, is what you're Yes, doing. exactly. Yeah. Um, weather, 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 weather. Radar scope. Radar scope. Oh yeah. And but you have, have to, to pay. Yeah. But you have to pay for the i for the extended iPhone functionality which is the live radar but okay. but but so it's a you know once you buy it's like you have to buy the extension you it'll it'll push some basic stuff to the watch but if you want to see the radar on the watch it's it's a little more money it's like ten, uh, 9 bucks or something but 
I had to do it. And, <laughs> and I shot a, shot a video of it uh, because on the watch, there's an animation of the radar. You know, like it's oh, a, sweet. it's a, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's a cell and, you know, it's a series. It's like an animated GIF probably. I don't know what it is, but it, it moves you and you can like call it up and you know, it'll uh, still, I think is there Carl in, in the glance on the watch, mm -hmm. but in the actual app that runs on the watch, uh, it'll move, which, and it was, I happened to load it on, it was raining and I went, okay, I got to do this today. <laughs> Cause you know, on a, on a, on a non rainy clear day, it's kind of useless. But yeah. anyway, that's the app that I've, that actually, that moment of having that functionality on the watch was a moment of okay, here's where this is going, wow. and obviously, obviously at uh, WWDC, the developers uh, meetings for Apple, they basically announced uh, WatchKit, which is the ability to write or an advancement in WatchKit, I guess, the ability to write, um, you know, native apps for the watch. So they don't just they won't just live on your phone; they'll actually live on your watch. And I would suspect that in the fall there will be some apps that you load on that won't take time to load. They won't have to talk to the to the uh, phone; they'll just run on the watch. That's and a, that'll, that's a game that'll be an interesting time. It'll start to expand and make more speedy what what you can do. So, but yeah, that's a cool one. Radar scope. It's also a cool, very detailed, ra you know, crazy w weather geek detailed radar uh, app for the for the phone. That's yeah. that's my second pick of the week. Yeah, awesome, Rick. Well, we're definitely we'll, we'll put that <laughs> yeah, link try out that there. Yes, yeah. yes, I will. And uh, I know that some of these others, like I think uh, Four Flight or whatever, they're looking at radar. But I, I can't wait. I think everybody's going to have radar finally on the on that yeah. on the watch. And I, I think that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, another part of the Apple Watch that's great is trying to find like the FBO at the airport. Uh, it, it actually reminded me to turn and stuff like that. I put it on my phone and I put it on here and. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't. I was going to try to find the FBO and I couldn't. And this thing actually directed me there. Uh, so the maps, the the radar. We're going to see so many new things coming up here with the the Apple Watch. Uh, I'm a sold on it. I thought it was just going to be a toy. It's actually becoming functional now. Yeah. Uh, especially with the radar. So that's that's pretty cool stuff. I uh, maybe we could. Glad you uh, got put, one. You have yeah. You have a watch, right? Yeah. I should. What I need to do is. Um Get your phone. I need to get your phone number so I can send you drawings. That's about the coolest thing that that <laughs> you can do. And you can you can only do it with like a few other people because I don't know very many people that have. Yeah. Sean and I did it a few times and then we got bored. Oh really? Yeah. It, it, like, it's like what was that? What was that big iPhone game a year or two ago? Draw sketches with friends or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or like draw that. something. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that. <laughs> Well, we get offline. I can we can do a quick demo. Oh, you're awesome. sending it to me yeah, now. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm like I want to I want to see a drawing. Sean, draw me an airplane. Would you, Rick? While while, while, while Sean's doing his pick of the week, I want to I want to yeah, see. Yeah, okay, that's good. I have to add you. I have to do a few. I have to jump through some hoops here, but I'll, I'll take care. Of it. Stand by. Yeah, uh, mine is uh, actually a couple more watch centric things. I was going to throw out another weather app uh, that that does moving uh, map radar on uh, on Apple Watches. Weather Underground. Which is a uh, a free app on oh, iPhone, cool. and then you can uh, you can enable the uh, the Apple Watch. So that little, that's um, that's animated. It's animated. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Um, so there's that one too. I've heard really really good things about Radar Scope too, and I want to try that out. The the price kind of scared me away a little bit, but but I know it's supposed to be worth it. Um, my official pick of the week is Garmin's new D2 Bravo watch. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. You know, they announced the D2 GPS watch uh, almost two years or so ago now, and they just announced an updated one that looks gorgeous. Um, I saw it uh, yesterday, I think, for the first time. And it's it's the, the best way I can think to describe this is like going from the, the look of like a Garmin 430 to a G1000 in, in, as far as aesthetics go. 
It's uh, mm. it, it looks like it's it's got a great little kind of smart watch screen on it. It's got a GPS in it. Um, you can access METARs, that kind of thing. It's got buttons for nearest and direct to, and you can you can get aviation weather. You can uh, it has an HSI you can program on it, um, and it's really good looking. It would look good with whatever you know suit you're wearing or anything else. It comes with a brown leather strap, and I think there's also kind of a rubberized black one that uh, would kind of match whatever you're wearing, but. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like in action. It's it's not for somebody like me, I don't think, who just kind of flies every now and then. It's probably going to be uh, a, a watch for people who are flying really often. But um, man, it's it's gorgeous, and it's at uh, Garmin.com. And you can also control your your camera with it, can't you? The, the, yeah, that's right. What's yeah, that the, called? Um, the Verb Action Camera. Yes. Um, so if you've got that mounted somewhere, uh, you can you can stop and start recording from the watch. And I don't know. I know there are some applications where um, I think with some of the GoPros, you can actually see what the camera is seeing on a, on a smartphone. I don't know that, that necessarily extends to this watch or not, but uh, but you can definitely control the uh, the recording with it. Awesome. Well, and th- th- another toy we can get here, and that's uh, I'm I'm not going to actually jump in on that one. I still want to see the functionality of the Apple Watch. I wish we could do something along the lines of, of uh, you know, a GPS on the phone or on the Apple Watch while I'm not there. Uh, that's that's version two, hopefully. You know, and that that would really blow people away. But I'm really excited about what uh, being able to to put code native code right on the uh, you know, right on the the uh, Apple Watch. I think that'll be pretty neat for developers to do that. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited. The after landing checklist. By the way, um, I just got a response. Uh, that's our picks of the week. I uh, just wanted to let you know we did get a response from the gentleman that uh, actually produced the video uh, that we're all talking about with cool. the young lady. And uh, in Canada, they actually don't need to wear a shoot. Uh, okay. So everything in the in the video is legal and safe. Uh, in the United States, obviously, if you have a passenger, you don't have to wear it if you're by yourself, but with another person on board, you definitely need to have a shoot on. And both of you have to have a shoot on. It's kind of interesting, the way it's written. But uh, thanks so much. We are definitely going to put that video out there with the blessing of the person that produced it. Uh, so I think that's it for our Picks of the Week. Um, and uh, I, you know what? This has been a lot of fun putting this episode together, and I hope you've learned something. Just remember, um, one of the things that that we're trying to do in the next episode is talk about a hundred something, you know, the hundred, uh, milestone in aviation in your life in, in another person that you know's life or something, a hundredth milestone in general in aviation. I think that's, uh, that's really important. Um, I, there's one that's, uh, near and dear to my heart, which I can actually, uh, ride a bicycle to. And it's something that is probably one of the most, uh, you know, the largest events in aviation that changed the world and brought it much closer, and it happened uh, right down the road for me. Uh, so that's the hint as to what, what one of mine will be. Uh, well, folks, I you know, I appreciate, you know, you're listening. There's uh, from, you know, myself and uh, Rick Felty, you know, and, and Larry Overstreet that's here with us now, and, and Victoria that have to had to go offline, and Sean Moody, and, of course, Eric Crump, who couldn't make it. I really appreciate your listening. If you go, could go to stuckmikeavcast.com and make sure you visit our sponsors, and also to send us your, you know, your 100th aviation event, uh, something that happened in your life or somebody you know's life. I really would appreciate that. The other thing, too, if you see that video that we put out there, I want you to do one thing that, that'll really inspire somebody else. This person did 
this incredible video. It's inspired me. It made me smile. What I want you to do, if you want to accept a challenge, is try to go out and make somebody smile because of aviation. Do something that will make somebody else smile. And, and just it might be just bringing them to the airport and seeing some old you know airplane or take them to some some you know cafe that's at the airport but do do something in aviation that'll make somebody who's who's in aviation now who's not in aviation make them smile just like this video did for us well folks appreciate you listening and we'll we'll talk to you again on the next episode with a very special guest and that would be episode 100 talk to you soon You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.